Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Um, good morning, York Street. Um, I have the honour and the privilege to introduce you this morning. This is Brendan. Why don't you come up? And Brandon is joining us from Olive Tree Media, and he's been working with Carl Fays on the Faith Runs Deep series. Um, some of you would have been able to get along to the event during the week, um, which is really exciting, um, and being able to be inspired by the work that they've been doing, collecting stories of faith from our great country around all around Australia. Um, and so, yeah, we have the privilege of receiving from Brendan this morning as he brings us the word of God. Um, won't you join with me to pray? Um, God, I just pray that um, you would bless Brendan this morning and bless our church, bless our community here as we um, come to you humbly with open hearts and open ears to receive the word that you have prepared for us today. Um, we thank you for the work that these guys have been doing in bringing together these incredible stories of your faithfulness and your provision and um, yeah, bringing that to us to inspire us, to spur us on in our faith. And um, we want to receive them and we want to um, let them sink deep within us so that they, we carry them with us. And um, that they can inspire us and draw us closer to you ultimately, Lord. And um, I thank you for um, being with Brennan and being with the team as they have prepared um, and they have put together these messages. And um, yeah, we just ask you to bless it to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank amen. you so much. Thanks, Heathbury. Well, well, thank you, everybody, for having me. I know you didn't have a choice in it, but, you know, thank you that you... You've, you've at least stayed for the introduction, so that's always a good sign. Um, uh, you know, particularly, I think uh, today you can be thankful to James, the sound guy, because he gave me the headset and it was already turned on. And I was a little nervous that you'd hear my singing through kind of the worship or whatever, but thankfully he turned it off. Um, just, just very briefly, uh, before I kind of get into the, the message itself, a reminder that there is some merchandise afterwards to have a look at if you were there, and I'll talk about this in a moment, but if you were there on Thursday night, some of that merchandise is there. We have a platform that you can sign up to and see, not just the Faith Runs Deep series, but any of the other series that we have, and there's also out there amongst DVDs and some books and study guides and so forth, what they call the anthology, which is a, a compilation of the, the core stories around Faith Runs Deep that you can look at in your own time. So that would be great. Um, I, I do want to also thank um, Pastor Tim and the rest of the pastors, Bree and the others, uh, for having me here today. Um, last year for me was 30 years pastoring local churches. And they carry a load both in the natural and the spiritual that you don't really understand. And so I encourage you uh, to honour your pastors and thanks, Bree, and, and the pastors that aren't here today um, uh, for having us here. 
One thing to know about me a little bit is that I'm pretty sport-orientated. Like, I've got two boys, uh, one of which is uh, wholly invested in kind of music and all of those sorts of things. He plays in bands, he works in music stores, they're, they're recording, they've got gigs playing and all that sort of stuff. He's much more like my wife. Uh, we've got the other one that is much more sport-orientated. Uh, you know, bat, ball, whatever it is, you know, anything, um, you, you know, he, and that's me, really. And I don't know if you're a bit sport-orientated, but if you are, uh, for instance, I love watching sport. Uh, and I will even watch sport that I don't like. I mean, I don't know, but I become an expert at sports I know nothing about during the Olympics. Does anybody else do this? Like, I watch the diving. Now, I would never watch diving, but I watch the diving and I go, oh, that pike wasn't very good. You know, oh, they're going to lose some points there, uh, and so forth. Uh, and I don't just love watching sport. I love playing sport. I, 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 I still am playing competitive sport in a bunch of different ways and so forth. And, and, and as somebody that's grown up since I was very little playing sport and so forth, of course, you get those moments where the coach, you know, gets you before the game or during the game and kind of gives you some instruction, a bit of last-minute words before you're about to run out onto the field or, or it's halfway through or three-quarters. Coach really wants to impart something to you. I mean, I could think, you know, the one that comes to mind most easily is um, John Kennedy Sr.'s speech in the 1975 grand final from Hawthorne and Geelong, for example, where he's like, you know, just do it, you know, say that you did it and, and you know, revs up the team. They still lost, but it was a good speech anyway. <clears throat> to some degree, today, we're going to sit around somebody's last speech. We're going to sit around in the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to sit around Moses' kind of last kind of speech, as it were. The last speech before he was to pass away. If you've been uh, privileged, like I have to be a pastor for a long time, I've been in those moments where I have been in the room when a husband has said goodbye to his wife of over 50 years and then died. And in some ways, what we're going to do today is <clears throat> we're going to hear some of what God speaks through Moses as to what he values the most, you know, the last word as it were, before he passes. And so we're going to have a look at that and see how that can impact us today. You know, as you would be aware, this is the first in your Faith Runs Deep series, uh, and you would be aware that Faith Runs Deep, at how it's run, and wasn't, wasn't Thursday, if you were there, I won't ask you to put up your hands, but if you were there, was, was, wasn't Thursday night a fantastic event uh, at the Civic Centre? It was just fantastic. There, just let me give you some feedback. There was 549 people who registered for that event. There was 147 people that filled out a response card. 35 people commit, recommitted their life to Jesus on that night. Four people came to faith for the first time on that night. 68 wanted to join a Faith Runs Deep group. 140 plus found the night inspiring. And 12 would like to speak to somebody about faith. That sounds like a good night, doesn't it? That sounds like a good night. And of course, there'll be lots of others that are impacted in ways that we don't understand, and only later will they look back and go, wow, that, that was amazing, or whatever it happened to be. 
And as you know, Faith Runs Deep is around Carl and the team gathering stories of faith from across Australia and collating them into a series that actually goes for 12 weeks on the episodes, but six weeks as the church campaign. And so you are going to be looking at that over the next six weeks. If you've got your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I always encourage people in my church to bring a, a Bible because if I'm boring, they've got something to read. So um, I always encourage you to bring your Bible. Uh, I'm, I don't know, some of you are disciplined. I'm not quite disciplined enough to use my phone Bible because I find I kind of drift off, so I like my paper Bible. But whatever it is for you, uh, grab Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we will get there in a moment and I'll read it as we kind of go through the passage, uh, as we go through the message together. So to have faith running deep, what do we need? have faith running deep in us and in our nation and in our world, what do we need? Well, firstly, we need to remember his promises. Unfortunate, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Sometimes we as Christians are known for what we are against, not what we are for. And in some ways, uh, me growing up, and depending on your faith journey growing up, you might sort of be a little bit the same. My journey of faith growing up was God was this cranky person up in the sky ready to whack me with a stick the minute I did something wrong. But faith, uh, God has all these promises and intentions for us, and, and he wants to kind of share those with us. In the scriptures, for me, it seems as if more and more God sets a vision and a promise, and then sometimes he has some warnings in there, and we'll, there's a warning in this passage. But first of all, he, he wants us to be the sort of people who pass on faith because of his vision, his call, his will for us. Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 3. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees, decree, decree, sorry, and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, O Israel. And be faith careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may greatly in, uh, increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of our ancestors promised you. God starts this, this whole thing by giving us a vision of what life with him is like. He starts kind of pulling us into this idea of faith running deep and he says well what does it look like well let me give you a vision of what life has been like and what life will be like and you know we know most of us have been in church for long enough to know that we've had the whole slavery experience and we've had the desert experience and what we now know is that Moses is essentially giving his last group of little talks uh, messages before he's to die and Joshua is to take God's people into the promised land and God reminds them of what his future or what their future with him is like what does he say he says things like this he says well it's going to be a land that you will possess so that you may enjoy a long life. You may increase greatly, enter a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord has promised you. 
And the New Testament, of course, expands this kind of quote um, and, and kind of even fleshes it out a bit more. In the New Testament, this, this life that God has for us is included with words like this. It says that we follow a good shepherd in John 10 who lays down his life for the sheep. And in John 10, we're told that because we follow the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep, we find life to the full. We, we are never, ever ripped off in life with Jesus, are we? Never. And then uh, there are passages, of course, and we talked, they were mentioned up here this morning, not the passages, but the idea that there are passages, of course, where we are called to live courageously. Now, if God didn't need to remind us to live courageously, what, I mean, why does he call us to live courageously? Because he knows there's going to be times when we need to live that way. It's not all roses all of the time, is it? Most of you have lived life long enough to know that you've gone through some amazing highs, great moments with God. And you've been through some difficult ones. Maybe you are today going through difficult ones. The, the reason that I understand God makes promises in the Bible is because there's going to be times in your life when everything that you see with your natural eye speaks against that promise. Does that make sense? Like God wouldn't have to promise to be with us always if it always seemed as if God was with us. But he makes the promise because there are going to be seasons when you go, I don't think God is here anymore. I don't think he's for me. And he makes this promise to help remind you. And, and what, it, what the Bible says, of course, is that, you know, in this moment where Jesus is with us and we find life to the full, but there are some ups and downs and there are some times when we live courageously, we are reminded, of course, of the great promise that he will wipe, uh, that he goes before us to prepare a place for us in eternity where, there, where God will wipe every tear from our eyes where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order goes and the new order comes. That's the vision that he puts before his people. And he says, this is what I have in store for you, both now and into the future. This is part of the vision that we are inviting our neighbours, our friends, our work colleagues, our children, our parents, whoever it happens to be, to come and join and taste and see that the Lord is good, aren't we? You know, that's what we want for them. I just want you to take one minute to turn to somebody around you. Just have a quick look to make sure that there isn't somebody sort of by themselves completely. And I just want you to ask a question. If you can put that question up. What are one or two things that stand out for you as a draw card to God's visions and promises? Now, let me tell you something. Don't try and answer it in one big, complete, massive theological statement that will cover everything. Right? You won't be able to do it. Just pick one thing. It might be the thing that only stands out this morning because you read it. It might be the thing that stands out because it's something that you are going through or whatever it happens to be. But I simply say to you, pick one thing or two things that stand out for you as some of the promises that God speaks to us and just talk that with the person next to you for one minute. 
Go for it. So, so there are some things to hang on to, isn't there? There are some things that you can grab hold of when times are tough. There are some of the things that you are trying to, in some way, communicate with your friends, neighbours, children, grandchildren, parents, whatever it happens to be, of why you follow Jesus. These promises that we've been given. Secondly, uh, God talks around, or Moses talks, God speaks through Moses to, to encourage us to stick to the plan. I've travelled overseas, particularly in Southeast Asia a bit, and I can remember one time we were travelling many years ago before we had children or anything, and before you would take your phone with you and have Google Maps and all of those sorts of things, uh, and we were travelling in a particular country, and my wife and I were wanting to try and get somewhere, and so we stopped, and we sort of said to somebody, look, can you tell us where such and such is? And this person looked us dead in the eye and went, yeah, yeah, you know, like they spoke broken English, but it was okay, and they kind of explained, go down here, you know, take this left and that right, and, and we started going there, and anyway, we worked out we were going in completely the wrong direction, completely the right, I mean, we weren't even close to going in the right direction, and what I realised afterwards is that people didn't want to lose face, because there's a lot of countries where they don't want to lose face, they didn't want to lose face not knowing the answer to something that a, that a foreigner asked them. So they just told us, they weren't trying to be deceitful, they weren't trying to be mean, they were just saving face, and I don't belittle that at all, I'm just saying, and so they just went like, well, you go down there, and so we go down there, but we had to be over there, and it didn't quite work, you know, and you see, even when you know the right destination, the promise, so to speak, if you don't have a plan, you don't often get to the end where you want to go, do you? And here... God gives them a bit of a plan of how to get to the promises, so to speak. Let's read again in Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 9. Um, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all, the heart, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and of your gates. So God gives them a, plan, a vision of what life with him is like. 
And then he gives them a bit of a plan of how to get there. And he says, well, how do you kind of live out this thing where you want to get to at the end? He goes, well, well, firstly, you just love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. I mean, it reminds me of the great St. Augustine quote, doesn't it? Uh, where he says it like this. It's paraphrased, but he says it like this. He says, um, love God and do whatever you please. For the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. In other words, when you love God with everything, when you just say, I am going to be committed to loving God with all of my heart, with all of my head, with all my strength, with everything that I can, I'm going to commit myself to loving him. St. Augustine kind of extrapolates it and goes, well, when you love somebody, you want to do what they want you to, that you want to do right by them, don't you? Even as failed people, as failed husbands and wives, as failed friends, we, we essentially most of the time want to do the right thing to somebody that we love. God says, you know, when we love him. And so there's this idea that we, we love God. And then the second simple thing he says is, he, he, uh, God uses this phrase, impress upon your children your faith. So love God with everything that you are. And impress upon your children, and by children, uh, I think we can extrapolate that to not just be our, our physical children, but those around us, the, the world in which we live, etc., etc. Uh, impress upon them your faith. And then God even gives us some idea of how to do that. I mean, isn't God good? Like, He, he doesn't just tell us something and go, good luck. He says, well, look, I'll tell you how to do that. He goes, look, you just do that. And you do it by, well, you just talk to them. You just talk to them. When you're at home and you sit down, you talk to them. When you're walking along the road, you just talk to them. When you're putting somebody to bed or, you know, you're sitting around after dinner talking, you just talk to them. You just share your faith naturally as you do the normal stuff of life. Because let's be honest, most of our lives, most of the time, are relatively humdrum, aren't they? You know, we do the same thing. We, if, if, if you're like, you know, you, you might have the same lunch or you get up and you have the same breakfast, it's like when... When I've been away a few times in places that serve food, you know, and they've got cereal or bacon and eggs. Like, I'm never choosing the cereal. I eat cereal 340 days a year. Uh, you know, if, if somebody's prepared to cook me bacon and eggs, I'm going to have that, thank you very much, you know. I mean, a lot of our life is, you, you, you kind of step it out and there's great highs and joys, moments of joy in that, but... There is this moment where God says, in just the normal, everyday comings and goings of your life, just share about Jesus as you're doing that normal stuff. And then the New Testament captures phrases like this as well. It says things like, 
in Matthew chapter 4, follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, as you follow Jesus, he will work out how you are to do that. Um, In Mark 13, we're told to not worry about what to say because Jesus will provide the words to say. uh, in, in Acts 1.8, it says that we will be witnesses when, he's, when the Spirit comes upon us. Or even, and I haven't got it up on the, on the screen there, but even um, in Matthew 28, in, in, the, in verse 18, which is the passage we read in our English Bibles, is go therefore and make disciples. Um, I could do a little uh, English lesson about what the verb is in that sentence. We all think it's go, but it's not. The verb is Make. The, the, the word is really better in your going or having gone, make disciples. In other words, like you're already out there walking around, you're doing life, you're walking along the road, just as you walk along the road, make disciples. <coughs> Pardon me. And so there is this plan. Now, none of this earns our way to heaven. You know, we, we don't get you know, upgraded accommodation in heaven because we do this or whatever it happens to be. But it's just going when we love God and we know what he's done for us, we, we just want other people to know about this. We want other people to experience this, both now and in eternity. Now, this isn't the only part of the plan, but it's, a, it's at least one of the snapshots. So I've got a question for you for one minute again to turn to the person next to you and have a chat for a moment about what makes sharing your faith hard and how do you overcome that or how can you overcome that. There you go. Go for it. Now, don't forget to answer the second part of that question, okay? Don't just talk about what's hard. Talk about how you can overcome it. So the reason I like to break it up and get you to engage is because I think it just, one, it gives you a break from my voice. You know, that's always a good day. Um, But it also forces you to engage because church is never a performance that you attend. You know, it's something that you engage with as as we gather together. And so there's that sense where I encourage you to continue to ponder those conversations afterwards. So you've got a promise and you've got a plan and you've got a warning. Um, God gives us his promise and this plan and then he gives us this warning. Let's read again the last bit of Deuteronomy 6, verses 10, or not the last bit of the whole passage, but of what we're going to look at today, 6, 10 to 12. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers 
to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. When you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God warns them to not forget to keep passing on faith, particularly as we get more comfortable. And he tells them what will happen. And, and even we know, you know, not, not long after this, Joshua takes uh, God's people across the Jordan River and there is this example of setting up what they call memorial stones in Joshua chapter 4. Uh, if you remember it, um, it's uh, in Joshua chapter 4, verses 5 to 7, it says it like this, you know, take up this stone on your shoulder according to the number of tribes to serve as a sign among you. Um, there should be a next slide, I think, with, with that passage on it, please. Um, um, serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them. There, there is this amazing passage for a moment. And I must have forgotten to put it up there, I apologise. Um, <clears throat> there is this amazing passage that says, we're about to do this amazing thing. God is doing this amazing thing amongst us. So what we do is, 12 of the leaders of the 12 tribes grab a stone, and they shove it on their shoulder, and they walk over to the other side of the Jordan, and then they put it down, and they build this little like altar, memorial stone thing. And what's it there for? Well, firstly, for those that cross the Jordan, they can look back and go, remember that day. But in some ways, more importantly, it's for the generations that are to come. It's the generations that are to come that as they're walking along near the river one day, getting water or you know, bathing or whatever it is, and they say to their mum, dad, uncle, auntie old, that's, that's older than them, and they go, hey, what does, that, what does that thing over there mean? They can sit there and they can go, well, let me tell you the story of the day that God brought us across the river into the promised land. Let me tell you the story of the God who took us out of slavery. Let me tell you the story of the God who led us through the wilderness. Let me tell you the story of the God that we follow. And the sad thing is, that God's people at that time didn't heed the warning in Deuteronomy. And we know a little bit later in Judges chapter 2, I won't read the whole passage, but it says, after that a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up that neither knew the Lord or what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. It only took one generation one generation for things to change. That's all it took. So why is it important for faith to run deep? Because it only took one generation to change. We're going to watch a video that gives you a little bit of some of the clips from this week's episode that you will be... The significance of faith in families for the church in Australia should never be underestimated. 
For me, I think for faith to run deep in Australia, it starts in families. In our house, when we first moved to our house, it was really small. There was hardly any space, you know, there's five of us in this, this small house. And I used to do a quiet time every morning in the sunroom. Uh, it would have to have been, yeah, on, a, on the Richter scale of usefulness of a quiet time, it would have been about two out of 10. <laughs> the kids are running in and out, you know, there's noise, it's all. But I wanted, to, I wanted my kids to see me reading the Bible myself, not just when I'm at church, but um, we, we say grace every meal. We prayed with the kids whenever we could. We, we, we just, it was, we hope that it just became ingrained in the life, in our family life. For us, for Carl and I, it was just so important that our kids had friends in the church of other Christian families. They had Sunday school leaders, they had youth group leaders that would mentor them. Towards the end of my time of running a, a local church, my daughter, who was then, you know, probably in her early to mid-20s, um, was doing a talk and I was there. And she said, you know, we, we always got a choice about going to church every Sunday. We, my parents gave us a choice. The choice was you can go in the morning or you can go in the evening. <laughs> you know, I had to wait till I was 17 till I actually understood the gospel. So that's, you know, 17 years of just being in Sunday school and youth group and never really making it personal. My hope for my kids and my grandchildren is that they'll have personal faith. So that, that's my hope for the generations to come, that, that there would be a sense of a, a warm legacy of faith and belief and trust. Anyone who wants to understand New South Wales history and Australia, therefore, history properly, needs to realise the influence, not just of the humanitarians inspired by the Enlightenment, but the influence of evangelical Christians. Those who organised transportation in the first place sincerely believed that if we're going to improve the lives of convicts and if Australia is going to be a kind of a successful experiment in rehabilitation, you need Christianity, you need religion. So in that respect, it was sort of built into the constitution of exactly what we were doing in the Australian experiment to begin with. We benefited from the people that came as soldiers, convicts, uh, government officials and free settlers. We benefited because with those groups of people came evangelical Christians committed to the mission of Christ, committed to building a nation uh, with those evangelical commitments uh, reflected in the institutions of our land. Around the time of Federation, around about 94 or 96% of Australians identify as, uh, as Christian. Church attendance is very, very high. And, and, and things are basically like that right up to the 1960s. You just can't understand uh, the Australian psyche uh, up until actually quite recently without understanding that people genuinely believed that, that Christianity is true, that it is good not just for them as individuals, it's good for their families, it's good for society as a whole.
There was this notion that Australia was settled like as a secular nation, the, the, uh, the cast-offs of England, and therefore were never Christian. What does the census back in, say, 100 years ago tell you about what people thought about Christianity? Well, it was not only the dominant religion, it was almost wholesale the identification that people had. And so it was well above 95%. In the first census, around 96%. The rest just had no belief. Um, but we were, a, uh, we were a Christian nation, almost wholly, and it was part of the cultural identity as well. Yeah. As I've said, with the current data, the cultural identity has been evaporating. Uh, it doesn't mean to be Australian is to be Christian anymore, but certainly that was the, the founding reality, and, uh, and a century ago, that was the dominance. A clip that you'll be uh, looking at uh, this week in, in the groups that you are doing. So how do we finish? How do we have faith run deep? Well, it will only run deep if people like you and me will love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our strength and we will impress that faith onto others. Now, what some of that looks like and how that impacts sport or politics or, you know, belief and all, that's really part of what the whole series is about. You know, in, in some ways I feel like I'm, I'm just giving you the outline and then over the next five weeks you're going to colour it in more, if that makes sense, you know. So, so there's far more things to say, in it, but it gives you a bit of an outline to finish. I want to finish with two, a couple of quick things. Firstly, I think over the last bunch of years, a lot of us who call ourselves Christians have had a bit of a crisis of confidence. We feel like our voice has been taken away. I just want to encourage you for a moment. I want to encourage you for a moment. For instance, um, there'll, there'll be a slide that uh, should be able to come back up in a moment that'll tell you that McCrindle, the guy that you saw um, talking there at the end, that 90% of Australians know a Christian personally. So they know somebody who is a follower of Jesus. And of that people, that 90% that who know somebody who's a Christian, who are not Christians themselves, they would say their top five, they were given 20 responses to give about what you're like. Right? They were given 20 responses. 10 of them were positive in our words and 10 of them were negative. The, foot, the top five responses they said about people like you and me is that we were caring, kind, honest, loving and generous. Now, I've got to tell you, that's not what the TV tells me people think Christians are like. But that's census data. Or not census, sorry, that's data accumulated through research. The bottom five responses were intolerant, insensitive, authoritarian, exclusive and rude. That's good news, people. Now, unfortunately, if you put the word church in there, those figures change. But your neighbour, your friend, the person at your workplace, the majority of those people would use positive terms to talk about people of faith that they know personally. The second part of it, to encourage you is that um, National Church Life Survey also do some other survey work. And that revealed towards the end of uh, 2022 that 42% of Australians who do not go to church would go to church with a friend who invited them for Easter. 
42%. And when you include the next bracket down, it's about 60% of people were, in our language, warm to some form of invitation around Easter. So I just want to encourage you to not be afraid to say something, to invite a friend. They might say no. If they're really friends, your friendship will be okay. If they're not really friends, it won't, but that wasn't really friends anyway. I'm going to ask for a bit of a time of response. I know from my life, I've had, you know, every day we walk this journey, every day there are small responses, but there are times when it's a little bit different than that. There are times when you're at the beginning of your Christian walk and you make a step that says yes to Jesus. There are times that during your Christian walk you say yes to Jesus. I can remember I'd left the church I was working at in Adelaide. I was, a bit, I was in between churches for a few months. I wasn't sure what was happening. I went to a friend's church. Somebody spoke a message. And the minute... Now, I'm not going to ask you to do this. We're going to do this in our seats. But the minute that those people gave me a chance to go up the front, I was there. I didn't know... I, like, my wife was like, what are you... What are you? you know, and I'm, I'm up the front because I just knew it was my time. It was my time. Not in a selfish way. It was just my time. And so today might be a yes moment for you. It might be a yes moment for the first time. There's plenty of people that have hung around church for a long time and have yet to say yes to Jesus. Or it might be a a yes moment for you in terms of you just have realised that there is something that is stirring in you that is calling you to make a more significant response. Or it might be simply that you've been reminded of this call of God to share your faith and you've been convicted that you need to do that in a different way than you have been. What I'm going to ask you to do together today now is take the form that you were given on the way in. Now, I'm going to ask us all to do it because that way nobody stands out. Is that okay? Because that way we don't make anybody feel bad or miss out or anything like that. Can I say again, as Carl said on Thursday night, we don't harvest this information. This comes back to your pastors. This is not about us getting contact details and email addresses and those sorts of things and adding you to mailing lists. This is just simply a way for us to say we want to have a chance for people to respond. Now, if you've got your card and you have a smartphone you can log on through the QR code and you can fill out the form that way. If you don't, you can fill it out with pen and paper. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to fill that out together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for your plan. And we thank you for your word of warning to us. And Holy Spirit, if today is our day to make some form of response, whatever that means, may we not deny it and push it to the side and say we'll deal with it later.
May your spirit work in these moments. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've got your phone, you can fill in the QR code. If you're doing it on pen and paper, you can do that there. Just a reminder that because we've got a few uh, groups operating today, uh, if you do it online, you are saying that you're at York Street so that we know where to do it. And then you put your name in. And then you can answer some questions. How did you find the message? Inspiring, okay. I didn't find it embarrassing. You should find a new job. I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever is appropriate for you. I'll take, I found it inspiring because, you know. <laughs> Um, I just made a response of faith, yes, new to faith, or yes, a recommitment. If you are a Christian, you just say um, no, because you didn't just make a response to faith. That's okay. I would like to talk to somebody further. That's not us. That's your pastors. And you can say yes or no to that. And I would like to join a Faith Runs Deep group. Now, some of those might be already organised, but some of them might not be. And so uh, you can uh, say yes or no to that one. And then you hit submit. I thank you for giving me the privilege this morning of sharing something of the good news of Jesus with you. He is worth following, isn't he? If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.